20 minutes. Go. Good luck. <laughs> they were pushed to the edge of existence where they thought they were hanging by the skin of their teeth. And they found out that in fact, <laughs> they were pushed to the center where God was. They experienced not bare survival, but abundant life. This is a quote by Eugene Peterson that I've read and read and read and thought about and thought about and thought about. One more time. They were pushed to the edge of existence. Where they thought they were hanging by the skin of their teeth. And they found that in fact, not infant, they had been pushed to the center. Maybe that's code. That is like the new nursery code. Like infant nursery. Somebody's thing, somebody's child is put, being put. Maybe this is a secret message from someone in the nursery. Maybe this is about nursery workers. They were pushed to the edge of existence. Where they thought they were hanging by the skin of their teeth. And they found that, in fact, they were pushed to the center where God was. They experienced not bare survival, but abundant life. This was written in a context in one of his many books, Eugene Peterson's many books, but in context about Israel and about Israel's journey in the Old Testament. Israel, uh, there's a, obviously, God has a lot to say about Israel. Um, as I hold up most of the Old Testament context and obviously New Testament context. But specifically this morning, the Israelites went on a 40-day journey. A 40-year journey. Big difference. 40-year journey from bondage to ultimate freedom. From Egypt to what we know now as Israel or the promised land. Or the, the place that God had made for them, the place flowing with milk and honey and all that they had ever dreamed, this place that God had created for them, wanted them to be at, wanted them to experience this ultimate rest that's bigger than the nation of Israel, it's bigger than Moses and all the Israelites. This is a picture of what God is ultimately doing in us. That's why Israel's a big deal. That's why Israel and the Old Testament and the journey they are on is a big deal. That's why when you read the word, there's a lot of blood and gore and fights and battles because God is fighting for his people. God is fighting through his people to get them from a place of bondage to a place of freedom. And so we need to understand that in context as we go forward. That even to this day, <laughs> Israel, <laughs> in completely different context, Israel is pushed to the edge of their existence where they thought they were hanging by the skin of their teeth. And in fact, they found that they were pushed to the center where God was. And right there is where they found not bare living or bare survival, but abundant, abundant life. Um, today, uh, I want to talk about the struggle, the struggle and the tension in our life. And how sometimes God speaks through 
the struggle and the tension. In fact, I'll say it really clearly this way. Sometimes the language that God uh, uses, that God speaks, is struggle and tension. Sometimes the language that God speaks is struggle and tension. Um, so you're in Exodus 16. The context here is God has led his, his children, his people, out of bondage. They've crossed the Red Sea. God has performed miraculous uh, works, miraculous paths, miraculous things, one after another after another to deliver his people to freedom. And as you heard through divine appointments, and as you heard through all these people's stories, it's another way of saying, like, God will do whatever it takes to get you from where you are to where he dreams and aspires for you to be. He wants you to experience forgiveness so much so that he was willing to take your place on the cross so you would know what it's like to feel forgiven. He wants you so bad to feel and experience life so much so that he was laying down his own life so that you could have eternal life. He wants you to experience true joy. It says in Hebrews that for the joy of the cross. He took all of that for us so that we could really experience true joy. So all of this is happening. God will do anything to get his people where he wants them go. Those are the divine appointments. But ultimately, what God is not after is just establishing a nation. What God is not after is just establishing a church. God's super excited about church planning. He's super excited about the gospel going forward. He's super excited about the people in Burma or China or all over the world experiencing life in Christ. But you know what he's like ultimately most excited about? He's most excited about getting to know and having a relationship with you. That's at the ground floor of all of this. And so what God ultimately doing, is doing through these miraculous works is he's creating an opportunity for you to have a relationship with him by getting everything else out of the way, by providing for the needs of his people. So here we are in Exodus 16. There's a context here that, that these Israelites had left bondage. They're on their way to freedom. And we know the end of the story. So it's easy for us to be like, y'all, 40 years, like, <coughs> hang on, like be patient, guys. But in reality, if you're in the midst of something right now, if you're in a wilderness, if you're in a struggle, um, you don't want to deal with that for 40 years, do you? Like that's not fun at all. But if, I know some of our eyes are like, whoa, four days. I can't handle it, man. Like, God, I can't even. I can't, I can't deal this. But imagine 40 years of this struggle, this cycle of sin, the cycle of confusion, the cycle of trying to get where God wants me to go, but ultimately my disobedience or ultimately my circumstance is constantly pushing against me. There is a constant struggle, like I'm swimming upstream. I just can't seem to get forward. And for these guys, that came down to, it came down to food. They're at a spot right now. In the context of this story, that they need food. Now, I know we're Americans, all right? But I know we know the struggle. Like, can I get a hangry amen? Like, there's a reason why church starts at 10 and not like 8 or 12. Like, those are in like breakfast and lunch zones. Like, 
I mean, unless you sleep in big time or something, like maybe breakfast for you is 10, but normally, like the average person doesn't eat around 10 a.m. So there's a reason why church is at 10 a.m. And then there's another reason why there's an iPad up here that's got a time on it. I'm not going to tell you because then you'll hold me to it. Um, there's a reason why. It's because hangry is a real thing, right? Food is a real thing. In all reality, back then, like, they didn't have the luxuries. They didn't have the things that we have now. In fact, in this context, they had nothing. So let's pick it up. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 2. And the whole congregation, meaning the whole nation of Israel, all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. How many of you have read the whole book of Exodus? Okay, if you've not read the book of Exodus, you just kind of got a summary. It's this, that all the people grumbled and complained to Moses and Aaron. Like these leaders of, the <laughs> there's, oh man, I could park there for so long. Uh, they just grumbled and complained. They compared the bondage of what they had in Egypt to what they have now. And sometimes, and if, let me know if you know the struggle. Sometimes God brings you out of a situation and it's awful. The transition is awful, and it's painful, and it's hurtful, and this doesn't feel like it's better. Like, God, you want me over there? But, like, right here, it hurts. I can't get from here to there. I'm like, are you sure, God? Are you sure you know what you're doing? Like, it's back there. It didn't hurt that bad. Have you been there? Like, that's why going forward... In our faith. That's why going forward or in deeper relationship with one another, that's why church unity is so hard. It's because you, you see the struggle, you feel the weight of it all, and you're just like, wait a minute, back there, when I didn't go to church, I didn't have all this drama in my life. When I, when I, when I wasn't like leaning into my family or leaning into my friends or my neighbors, like I didn't have that struggle. I didn't have that tension. Move on. In verse uh, 3, And the people of Israel said to him, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Check this out. And we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. And, <laughs> and you have brought us into the wilderness to kill us, the whole assembly, with hunger. So they're dreaming about beef stew, pots of meat, ribs, pulled pork, barbecue, cornbread, sweet tea. Yes. To the point, like so much so that they're not only they're like there's like levels of hang there's levels of hungry. Hangry is in there somewhere because you've taken hunger and anger and you've mixed them, but they're like way over here like they're ready to kill Moses like they're 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 blaming him saying that he's trying to kill them by bringing them out there now, I'm making light of this but honestly this went on for years and years and years they ultimately are looking dead serious they're looking at Moses and Aaron and they're saying hey hey, hey like you let you let us out here and there's nothing for us to eat there's nothing for us to have we're in the desert we're in the wilderness, and there's nothing I see here. So today, are you in that spot? Has God led you out of something 
Is he bringing you from there to where he wants you to go? And right now, you see no provision. You see things. My encouragement today, loud and clear, is if God has brought you out, hang on. There's a divine appointment about ready to happen in your life. I know that. I don't, I'm not speaking crazy prosperity stuff over you. But what I am saying is that if God has led you to something, he's going to lead you there. And even if you can't see it, even if you're blind to it, the divine appointment that you have with the divine, with God, is right around the corner. Hold firm. Stand firm. Go down to verse 13. Uh, it says that ultimately, th- this, is, this is the story that's in the Bible, so we could fast forward to what really happened. In verse 13 it says, In the evening quail came up. Um, quail. Have you had quail? Okay, barbecue chicken. Have you had barbecue chicken? We'll go there, all right? There's a lot of significance behind quail, but let's go with barbecue chicken. In the evening, barbecue chicken came up and covered the camp. Now you're with me. Like I said, quail, you're like, is he reading King James? Like, what's he doing up there? I don't even know what that is. Is that on the menu at KFC? Like, I have no idea. But we're going to go with barbecue chicken. In the evening, barbecue chicken came up and it covered. I just came up with that. So if that, if that, if I'm like, if that's a, if that's offending you, just give me grace on that. Um, and in the morning, dew laid up around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine. <laughs> this is so crazy. You guys, like, the Bible's got some crazy stories. This is like one of the top. But this is like one right out of like a children's book. Got a bunch of hungry people. I'm talking thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hungry people. In this situation. And all of a sudden there's this fine flaky thing. Fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it. They said to one another. What is it? (laughs) Which is the actual meaning of manna. What is it? For they did not know what it was. I love how the Bible puts that in there. Like there's so many other details I want to know. And they put in. Never mind. Okay. For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given us to eat. So now all of a sudden, Moses and Aaron step in like they're heroes. Like, yeah, this is what we were talking about. Krispy Kreme for all y'all. This is it. Flaky, just right on the ground. And so like, I'm kind of like, I, I, there's like a biblical case on this whole Krispy Kreme thing. Or those glazed croissants from Farm Fresh. Yes, I'm telling you, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there because it's in the Bible, sort of. Um, so, and Moses said to them, it is bread that the, Lord, that the Lord has given you to eat. Go down to verse 20. They did not, okay, no, okay. So let me, let me kind of fill in the blanks here. So basically, uh, God told Moses and Aaron, I'm going to send you provision. I'm going to send you food for them to eat. And what you're going to do is you're going to instruct them that in the morning, when this comes, specifically manna, we'll, we'll move past the barbecue chicken part, even though I know your mind won't move past it. 
for the story-wise, let's move past that and let's focus on the manna. God brings this, this frosty, flaky stuff all over the, the ground. And God tells uh, Aaron and Moses that they need to collect every morning. They need to collect this, just like dew. And they need to put it together and they can cook it and they can boil it or do whatever they need. And it will fill their bellies for the day. God is very clear. In fact, he repeats it. Like, this is for today. I'm giving you what you need for today. Don't collect for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Because you know that there is those people. Like, they're building barns all of a sudden. Like, what are y'all building barns for? We're going to store all the manna. We're going to do, like, they think they can outsmart God. And say, we don't need to trust in God. We need to rely on his provision every day because I can build a place to throw it all in there and, and just, like, uh, uh, um, what's the word? Preserve what God has given me to the point where I don't need to lean on him every day and trust him. Am, am, I, am I stepping on anybody yet? No? Okay, just me? Okay, because maybe that would be me. That would be me. I, we can figure this out. Like God's, I mean, this is a big field. He's put this in. We'll like, we'll put it together. But God said, don't take it. Why? Eventually, he says, oh, this is such a good story. Uh, eventually, he says, verse 20, but they did not listen to Moses. Moses like, just gather enough for one day. Some left part of it till the next morning, and it bred worms, and it stank. Stank. Anybody got the English... What's ESV? I can't. English Standard Version? Yes. Anybody get the English Standard Version? Uh, stank. That's the most biblical word I want you to take away today. Stank. Because when you try to collect something that's not yours to collect, it's not what you think it is. It's going to stank. All right? Okay. Back to my notes. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it and each as much as they could eat. Like they could, it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Like in the moment, it's like right there. But if you hold, if you take more, like I'll just set aside for maybe the morning. Maybe I wake up in the middle of the night and get hungry, like I'll just eat. It says that it, like there were worms in it and it stank. Y'all, I'm telling you, have you had day-old donuts? Why is it so quiet? I thought that would be like, that would be the connection point. They're awful. Not worth the calorie count at all. Like, old donuts? Like, really? That's so disgusting. I'm telling you, like, God knows, God knows what he's doing here. Um, so, on and on, uh, verse, where are we at? Verse 22. Okay, go to verse 31. Verse 31 says, now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like a coroner seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Sure sounds a lot like donuts to me. Or honey buns? Come on. Okay, move on, Corey. I'm hungry now. Um, here's, here's my point. Here's my point. In all reality, Israel was pushed to the edge of existence to when they thought they were hanging by the skin of their teeth. Even in provision. Uh, if, if you're honest, like, there's hard things in our life. There's struggle. There's trials. There's hardship. But honestly, the great, if you're honest with, one, with your own self, sometimes the greatest hardship and struggle we face 
is lack of provision. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying the thing that we wrestle sometimes with the most. Think about our thoughts. Think about our pursuits. Where is, where is our energy most going into? It's trying to store up enough manna. It's trying to work through the struggle. Ultimately, for these Israelites, they had far greater struggles than what they were going to eat in that day. Far bigger struggles. And I know that we can get into that. But I simply want to point out that sometimes the language God uses in our life is struggle. Is struggle. Um, unfortunately for me, let me, let me say it this way. Anybody in this room speak, um, any, anybody in this room speak Spanish besides me? Um, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Uh, anybody speak Spanish in this room? SOTK. Okay. A few. Anybody speak um, Chinese? Hey, nobody speaks Chinese. Okay. Anybody speak uh, another language? Come on. There's like lots of languages. Anybody speak a foreign language besides Spanish? Y'all, French, okay, yeah, 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 oh, oui, oui, yeah. Anybody speak a foreign language besides French or Spanish? Dutch, right on, sister, yes. Okay, anybody speak another foreign language? Swedish, English? Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. I apologize. Um, So, if you speak another language, or you've been in the context of somewhere that you they speak another language. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, anybody, let me say it this way. Anybody ever been to uh, France? Okay, Joe, do you speak French? So, okay, let's focus on this direction then. All right, so when you went to France and you don't speak French, what did you first notice when they were speaking? Kind of a dumb question, sorry, I'll answer it for you. Like, you notice that they're not speaking your language. And so now your focus is, is, is like, it's not trying to understand or like what they're saying. You're just literally like, whoa. Like, I don't get what you're saying. Your language is not translating to where I can understand, right? This is how my mind works. It's as simple as this. Sometimes the language that God is speaking to us is not something that's easy for us to hear. Sometimes it's not something that we can completely understand right off the bat. But sometimes, and God wants us to understand. He's not trying to play tricks. He's not trying to like, ooh, I'm over here and I'm speaking this, and now I'm over here so that you're always chasing me. That's not his desire. But ultimately, there are times that he's speaking and saying something to us that he wants us to seek out. He wants us to learn the language that he's speaking. Sometimes he speaks the language of struggle. Sometimes he speaks the language of hardship. 
Now, whether he sins the hardship and he's just trying to like make our lives difficult and miserable, that's a completely separate message because he's not. He's not. But in our broken world and in the reality of where we live and in the circumstances that we have, sometimes God's language is struggle. And sometimes that language is tension. So are things in your life a struggle right now? Are things in your life tense right now? Is God speaking through that? That's my point. That's my main idea is what is God saying through that struggle and through that tension? For me personally, and this is why um, I told Pastor Cameron, like, this doesn't happen hardly ever, ever like, I, hardly ever, but I told him this morning, I was like, dude, I've changed this message, like, four times, um, mainly because this is something that's near and dear to my heart. It's something that God does in my own life. He speaks to me through struggle and tension. It's a real thing in my life, and I hate it. I love to hear the voice of the Lord, but it's most clear it's most understandable through struggle and tension. That ultimately God is trying to tell us something or show us something. And we're missing it because we think that the struggle and tension right in front of us is not the plan. We think we're so We're like, wait a minute, God, why are you talking? Like, let's get this... Let's get the struggle and the tension out of the way so I can really hear you, God. Like, God, can you just take away the struggle? Can you just make this journey easy? Can you just provide enough for us, enough manna for us, for us to collect, put in our barns, just so we can get from A to B? Would you take the turbulence out? Would you take the bumpy road out? Would you take the disease and the sickness and anything out that might actually put me in a spot to trust in you, to lean on you. And again, it's not the idea is God is always sending all these things. We live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. Our bodies are failing us, and that's the reality of our life. So get, get off the fact of whether God is like just like jabbing us or like tasering, uh, tasing us like along the way to watch us squirm. The reality is life is that way, but in struggle, we're always begging him to just take that. If you look at the prayer list of a church, even you look at the, I'm not going to pick on the church or a church. I'll pick on my own life. The things I'm praying about all the time is like, God fix this, God fix this, God straighten that out. God make this struggle a little bit easier, a little bit more doable, a little bit more powerful. God, would you just please take this away? When in reality, in the midst of it all, he's talking. He's speaking the language I actually understand. That in the moment, like Joe in, in France, I'm like, at first, like, I don't get, nope, nope, I don't, I don't understand a word you're saying, God. And God's literally saying, like, like, you do understand. If you just stop, if you just see past, you'd get it. You see, it's through this pressing. It's through this struggle of life where he's ultimately wanting us to wake up the next morning and trust in him, to lean on him. The divine appointment is about him and not us and not our comfort. That, that's, his, that's his desire. Um, would you go with me to, real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? 
I want you to see this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just circle this, write this on your arm, write this on your neighbor's arm, whatever you got to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We, you and I, obviously there's a lot of, of like things we need to know, why Paul's writing this to the church of Corinth, but ultimately God's word speaks to each one, every one of us different. But the truth remains, the truth right at the bottom, the foundational truth is this, that you are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down and not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in our bodies. For we who, are, who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Afflicted but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. This is the mark of our lives as believers. When we are pressed, when we are pushed down, the language of God sometimes speaks through the struggle. He speaks through the tension. It's in the tension. Like, I tried to find one of these. It's this idea of, the, remember those uh, big water balloon launchers that, like, two people have to hold? And then there's the guy in the middle that holds the water balloon in, and he pulls it back, and then it just shoots the water balloon. It's the whole idea that the tension of it all is what sends the thing forward. What tension is in Life that's being stretched and pulled so that it can be launched forward. This is the mark of Christianity. It's in our church history. We as an American church in a wonderful place like Jamestown, New York, we have no idea what this is. This is speaking a different language because the history of the church, the history of every follower of Jesus, almost every follower of Jesus, certainly every leader and apostle of Jesus, certainly back to Moses and Aaron, every one of them, their lives were marked with struggle. Their lives were marked with tension. And every time God was speaking, God was up to something, God was creating this divine appointment that ultimately we would see him and experience him but so many times we want to miss that so many times we want that taken away so that we don't have to deal with that we're just going to live our lives but that's never the point that's never the point look at church history there's this phrase the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church the more they crushed the lives and killed Christians the farther it spread my heart was greatly greatly encouraged um, when we were in Michigan at a family camp there was a missionary there that would get up every day and it was in, it was it was incredible it was incredible we could talk about this forever I'll try to make it a minute he he was a missionary he specifically wasn't over there he was running an organization called journey of a joyful life and it was basically an orphanage for special needs kids um, uh, I believe it was about four hours from Beijing, so it was quite a ways out, and um, they, were, they were being persecuted, and he was talking about even that week. It was nuts. Like, every day he would get up, and he would tell new um, developed 
statements of what's happening with their orphanage while they were there. They, they had been going for, I think, 12 years or 7 years, like a long time. And they had the, uh, the government, uh, Beijing, they had sent officials from Beijing to come down and to literally do one of two things. Either they were going to shut them down and, and, and completely kick, them, kick the Americans running the orphanage out of the country, or they were going to expand and be a state-sponsored type of orphanage, and they were going to get all this funding. So it was either going to go really good or really bad. And, like, a bunch of us got together after uh, the chapel service. None of us knew each other. And we literally just sought the Lord, uh, like, three days in a row for God to move in the hearts of these officials from Beijing, because it's a communist country and persecution is rampant. And he would get up and he would talk about these stories. And it sounds horrible that these Christians can't meet. There can be no meeting place. They have to meet in secret. They have to meet in basements. And the cause and the gospel of Jesus Christ going forward, that actually helped it go forward. The fact that they couldn't have these big, beautiful sanctuaries and buildings and put out worship albums and all these other great, like because they couldn't do that, it was helping the 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 gospel spread. Check this out. He told me that there, this like gave me chills. He said that, um, he said that there is a revival going on in China like you would not believe right now. In fact, I've heard this about several different countries. And I'm like, dang it, like the United States is like missing out on what's happening. But they're talking about how in China alone, there are thousands that are coming to Christ every day. Here we are, stuck where we're at in our faith. I don't like it. You don't like it. I'm not putting any blame. I'm just saying, like, it's hard because you wake up every day. You're like, man, God, take Jamestown. Like, take it over. Use conduit to make an impact, to be a conduit to the Holy Spirit and what God is doing in people's lives. Set them free, God. Do an amazing work in Jamestown. And I believe that he is. And I believe there's things happening. But in their context in China, like, there's stuff all over the places, but it's always under the guise of, of things being pressed and squished out. People being killed, people being more, more um, uh, often, people are being arrested or deported or fined for following Jesus. And all it's doing, today, we're talking about like right now, the cause of Christ is going forward under the language of struggle intention. Please do not think because you have struggle and tension in your life. But that's not the language that God speaks. He speaks it. If you read this word, if you read his word, almost every story is filled with struggle and tension. There's hope. There's promise. There's freedom in the end. And there's freedom all the way through. And God through Jesus Christ has given you an eye. Not something we need to wait 40 years for. Jesus Christ has come to set us free now. He's alive. He ascended to heaven. He's promised to come again. And he sent his Holy Spirit to fill you and you and you and all of us. All around the world. So what's happening in China is happening here in our hearts. We can celebrate that. We can jump for joy in that. We can be encouraged with that. But we have to see that sometimes the language of God is struggle and tension. One last thing. Um, I'm going to have my son, Declan, help me um, with a little project here. Um, come here, Declan. Um, so one of my favorite things to do is uh, play catch, even though I'm awful at baseball. Um, I love to just do this um, in my yard. Um, should we do it with the 
Uh, maybe not. I hit somebody in the head. So like one of my favorite things to do is just play uh, play catch, right? It's fun. See, he's smiling. He's having a good time, right? It's a lot of fun, right? Um, super leisurely, right? Uh, it's good. Like there's a connection that, that happens here. There's uh, there's conversation that happens. Usually it's me that drops the ball. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun, right? And there's this, there's, this, there's this serious bond that happens between father and son playing catch. There's this connection that happens. I can tell him about my day, and he can tell me about his day. But in it, there's this reality that this connection is easy to see. Because like, literally, this, this kid can, he can fire the ball in there. I mean, like, he can throw it really hard. Um, and I'm, that's really fun, but like I can see it coming. Like I can prepare myself for when it comes. But um, stay right there, bud. But there's this idea too of, um, he doesn't know I'm doing this, so bear with me. Um, there's this idea of being blindfolded. Um, you don't see the ball coming. Um, do you trust me, buddy? So... So I'm going to have you stand right here, right? Okay, so can I see the ball? So obviously, bud, there's the baseball um, that can, like, break your nose. You feel that? And then obviously there's this little pink ball that I stole from the nursery, okay? So even if this does go bad, even if this does go bad, um, it's going to hurt like that, okay? Or like that, right? Okay. So, so in reality, like, I'm going to... Throw the ball to him, and he's going to try to catch it. Now, what I'm going to do is throw underhand, right? And what do we, what's another name for that? I'm going to lob. Lob. That's the key word. So I'm going to lob the ball to him, and he's going to not catch it. And I'm going to lob the ball to him, and he's not going to catch it. So I'm going to one more time lob the ball, and he's not going to catch it. One more time. One more time. All right, I'm going to lob, get that glove ready. I'm going to lob the ball. Turn it upside down there. Like you're going to catch a lob, buddy. There you go. So I'm going to throw a lob, and he's going to catch it. All right? Yay! Right on. All right. Now, here's my point. So give it up for Declan. Okay. Okay, have a seat, buddy. So in reality... When we struggle, when there's tension, it's essentially like we can't see a thing. Now, the whole idea was not playing catch, was it? It wasn't about improving our baseball skills, right? The whole idea was that there was a connection between the father and the son. The whole idea was that in this, it was about communion with one another. When there's tension, when there's struggle, all we want to do, like Declan, all, he didn't know I was going to do that, but like all he probably wanted was like, I, can't, I don't know what my dad's doing, but I cannot wait for him just to remove this so that it's easier for me. But in reality, and you could go a hundred different ways with that analogy, in reality, this struggle and this tension we want to remove, here's my point, sometimes this is all we see. And this morning you're here, maybe the only thing you see in your life is tension and struggle. When ultimately the Father is throwing you a lob, 
He's throwing you a lob, easy, a divine appointment, an opportunity, ultimately with him, but maybe with others, or maybe others to you. He's throwing this lob right at you, and you can't see it coming, which he's okay with. He's okay with. He allows that struggle. He allows that tension because he knows in that you have to trust him at a deeper level because you can't see what's happening. The language that God speaks sometimes is tension and struggle. For the Israelites, that was the case. For us, it's the case at times. Maybe today, for you, it's the case this morning. Your divine appointment ultimately may be at the spot where, God, I don't understand the language you are speaking. Back at your life. Look at the depths of some of these divine appointments that were shared. I dare say some of that was in the midst of struggle, not in the absence of struggle. It was in the midst of tension, not in the absence of tension. I know it's kind of our thing, and it's kind of their thing. We just run from struggle and tension. But perhaps today, maybe this message isn't for you, but maybe today... That's the language that God is speaking right now in this moment to you as he was to the Israelites, as he is to you. They were pushed to the edge of existence where they thought they were hanging by the skin of their teeth. And pushed to the center where God was, they experienced not bare survival, but abundant life. And pray with me.